0: Want to see what the desktop of my Mac looks like after I don't use it for a little while?
1: (laughs) Yes, I want to see this. (laughs) Is this a confession of desktop files accumulating? Is that what I think I'm going to see? I mean, you be
0: the judge, right? (laughs) Only you can decide that. Oh my gosh, Drew. (laughs) Oh, it
1: just, that hurts my eyes.
0: (laughs) You know what? Usually I would make some excuse, but it hurts my eyes too. It's pretty terrible. Wow. It's a whole lot. I don't think I've ever had it that bad before. It's really honestly because I have used my Mac so little lately that I uh, really let it go. I just kind of let the whole cleanliness next to godliness thing slide away, so... I just, I thought you. I, I actually just noticed it right now as I was minimizing everything and uh, getting ready to record this. So I, I wanted you to, I wanted you to experience it, just, just like I did.
1: I, I don't even know what to say about this, Drew. Like this is, I know this is intense. I know it's bad. So what, help me out here. You, this is all screenshots,
0: right? Yeah, every, is. every one of them is. <laughs> yes, all of them. Okay, <gasps> it's because it's 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 because I the last thing I did on my computer was I recently redid my personal website. And I kept taking screenshots to share them with a friend of mine who was helping me design it. Okay. And I guess I did it a whole lot without really recognizing how many screenshots I used. And I also used screenshots to test how things would look like on the website. So I'm pretty sure this is basically entirely because of that project although i do see um underneath a screenshot hidden in one of the layers a audio file for whims that work so
1: i also see a couple for bro did you see this as
0: well <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this it's, it's almost art just like art you know no i've i've achieved it nope Last time that we talked, we went through and talked about iPhone home screens. I I don't need to see yours, but I'm just, I'm curious to know, do you do a lot of automation for keeping your Mac tidy or do you just do it yourself? Are you you a stickler for that kind of thing?
1: I am. At the same time, like I have a handful of areas of my Mac, I guess I would say, where I have files, like I have a folder called Black Hole. Mm. Okay. And (laughs) it's literally that. I just dump things into it. All right,
0: so that's headed your way. Okay, I'm waiting for it to come through.
1: This will this will prompt a question and I'm I'm just going to wait for it cuz I I think I know what this question's going to be. All right.
0: Okay. This is a, this is a highly customized desktop. I actually didn't really expect that for some reason. I don't think I have any questions that appear off the bat to me that the calendar at the bottom is really interesting and the fact that you would have a quote in the top left hand corner is interesting too but this i mean looks it looks nice it's great i appreciate it does this mean that your dock goes on the right hand side
1: uh it's at the bottom but it's hidden okay at all times so like it's technically visible right now i just don't ever see it i don't use the dock ever like i wish i could remove it entirely
0: what did you think warranted my my interest
1: my expected question was how like, how am I doing this?
0: I used to do this kind of thing it, years ago, uh, back back in the days of Winamp, you know, when everything was skinned and customized to all craziness. There's a couple of really great apps that do this kind of stuff. What app is this that you're using?
1: Uh, Uber Siecht, I think. I'm not German, so Uber Something along those lines. <laughs> okay, e- something,
0: something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> yes. These are all just <laughs> things that are basically
1: straight up embedded on the desktop, correct? Correct, yeah. It's right on the desktop itself. Uh that quote in the top left changes every hour automatically. So it a few of these are obvious like the calendar, you know what what song and music is playing at the time, you know what application is using the most of my resources which it's pretty easy, easy to see there Adobe Audition since it's recording in the background. Probably the one that not a lot of people would catch is the one right above that. Are you familiar with this? The, the little green and white boxes?
0: No, yeah I assume that it was something Something that's happening on your computer, but I don't know exactly what it is.
1: That is my GitHub check-in graph. Ah, okay, interesting. So the darker the green, the more commits I've pushed to GitHub. Interesting. That's a pretty
0: cool visualization, actually. It's nice. It's kind of fun. And you got a little, what song is playing? Is that what that is? So
1: it's currently wired up. It hasn't been functional in about a week and a half or so. Uh, that's currently <laughs> wired up to Spotify, okay. and it hasn't changed. <laughs> that's a song you
0: played three weeks ago, then?
1: Well, it's one... That, it, don't put much weight... I couldn't even tell you who that is or what song it is. Um, th- that's how much I get into music. Sorry if that pains you a little bit, but... Uh, yes, yeah, just, just a little. I, I tend to use music for background, and I was using Spotify, some random focus playlist or something like that, and that was the song that was up. At that time when I shut down Spotify. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: It's pretty cool. I like it. So, I mean, this is the like expectation versus reality kind of thing. You are the expectation, the dream, the goal. I am the reality, the, the miserable <laughs> shambles of a desktop. Very, very different <laughs> looks. But, I mean, you know, you said it yourself, right? There, there is a place where all these files go for you. It's just a black hole folder that's hidden away somewhere.
1: Yes. Now, also keep in mind, it's automated for me. Like if I grab, Mm -hmm. like you notice I grabbed a screenshot just a few seconds before I sent that to you and yet it's not on the desktop. Right. And that's because it's automated
0: through, what's the app? Hazel? Yeah, I thought it was going to be Hazel.
1: Yeah, it pulls everything off my desktop, puts it into an inbox folder. For me.
0: I don't recognize any of these things up in your status bar. Can you tell me what a couple of them are? Oh, I, I recognize Dropler.
1: Oh, yeah. Dropler's still up there. I need to make that go away. Oh. Uh, I don't ever use Dropler. I don't really know why it's still up there.
0: Yeah, I never... Yeah. It's a great tool for the certain kind of person, but I don't use it.
1: Yes. Just not me. The far left is... Uh, what's the technical name for it? Postgra SQL 10. Okay. And... For the developer nerds out there, that is simply my Postgre database server running on my Mac. I use that to start and stop my Postgre server. Yeah, I'm not going to go into it more than that. <laughs> I, I need no more. Yep. So that's what that is. The next one over, again, that is Docker for Mac, Okay. which is not what it sounds like. It is not anything to do with your dock. Uh, again, it's development. You're working with Docker containers it's for development
0: okay so it's all coding stuff
1: right those two are yeah
0: gotcha that makes sense that's why i don't know them
1: uh dropler you mentioned Mm -hmm. yeah the next
0: what four you could probably guess bluetooth voice dictation or
1: something like that uh that is shush which i use whenever i'm recording with yeah so if i push the function key it will mute the mic through that however that doesn't work with the soundboard
0: structure that i have right now at all, you just gotta really cover your mouth whenever you sneeze.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, with the soundboard sitting here, I can hit the mute button,
0: um,
1: and that seems to work okay. But honestly, I've got it set up such that, like, when I'm not talking, I'm just being quiet. I'm not muting <laughs> every time. Maybe you're dealing with that in post. I don't know, but that's just kind of how I've operated with it. Right. And then
0: uh, you got just normal sound control, volume control, Wi-Fi, and then I don't know what DV is. What's so DV?
1: Oh, that is for... It's a keyboard switcher, so... Oh, is that Dvorak? Yeah, that's what I use to switch
0: to Dvorak. Do you type in Dvorak? I do type in Dvorak. Did you not know this? Have we not talked about this? We've talked about it, but that's one of those facts that I can never fully fathom, actually using a different non-QWERTY style keyboard. So it's, it's something that's hard for me to wrap my mind around.
1: Yeah, I keep it up there that way... If, for whatever reason, someone else needs to use my Mac, which I don't
0: really do ever, Mm -hmm.
1: it's quick and easy for me to switch it back over to the QWERTY format, pull the keyboard cover off of it and hand it over. Like, I can do that. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does happen, I need to be able to switch it very quickly, and that's what I use to do that.
0: That makes sense. And then, if I'm correct, I think that that uh, 13 number calendar date is part of iStat menus. Is that right? It is not. That is fantastical. Oh, it's fantastical! I forgot they added that nice option. Yeah, yeah. that's a really really cool thing. I I used to have that in my dock, and I I just really like it. It's so pretty. I used to be really into this kind of stuff, Joe. When I <laughs> when when iOS didn't exist and the mac was my primary home i had istat menus and you know i did the thing where the battery was it took up less room in the top and it was like right. sideways and you could get rid of the date entirely and add a little thing that had the calendar connected to it and all of that but it's it's it has been something i have not tried to maintain or look at for a long long while which is interesting that yeah it's kind of funny i I really honestly forgot about all of these things and I also forgot that you can do this nice thing where you turn the top of the desktop black and do the they don't call it night mode do they call it dark mode
1: I think it is just dark mode yeah or they've got like some themes that you can do to your menus and such so it's very limited but I think you can do a
0: few of those it looks really good it makes me want to do that i I, I totally forgot it was an option entirely it makes me remember the days of the transparencies and everything. Oh, you know, right. There's been some right. there's been some updates to Mac OS that have made me forget the the old ways. But your desktop's bringing me back, man. So <laughs> that's cool. I like it. I like it a lot. It's
1: good to know I am old school.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You are old school in the Mac in the Mac world. You know, everyone Apple's moved on, <laughs> uh, according to many people, right? But but hey, you are still holding down the. Floor. I am holding. Uh, on. You know the the iMac Pro is coming out slash out. Do you have any interest in a device like that? Or are you not in the market for a a big old desktop? Yeah, that's a
1: good question. I think I'm in the market for it. But Mm -hmm. right now, I know that it would be very fiscally irresponsible of me to
0: do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for for me, I really just want the space gray keyboard and trackpad. So I think it would be even more fiscally uh, irresponsible for me to buy the entire thing to to just use the keyboard, just right? Just to get you that. So at, least you... <laughs> so at least you want to use the entire computer. You have you have a leg up on me.
1: Yeah, it's it's partially because of video. It's also because even with the MacBook Pro, which I talked about at one point. Uh, while we were recording, but right, you know even with that, I can max it out like i I keep track of you know some of the how much of the processor I'm using at any, any given time, and if I max it out for more than about thirty minutes, I start to get a little concerned with it, and I can do that on a fairly regular basis, even with this beefed up machine so right i
0: uh,
1: I could see doing it at some point, but Man, that's an expensive machine.
0: It sure is. There's no two ways about that, is there?
1: And here we just bought iPhone tens, and I'm complaining
0: about cost of a computer. But I mean, think about all of the extra fun little widgets you could put on your home screen if you had a giant iMac screen to, to do that with.
1: I could, yeah. Honestly, I'm actually more in the market for one of the ultra-wide monitors right now. Yeah. And what are they, like 36 or 37 inches corner to corner, but they've got the curve to them. Mm -hmm. I've got my eyes on a
0: few of those. Those are very fun. I don't think I have enough room on my desk for a giant, giant monitor. So Mm. I'll have to wait until I upgrade my desk before I can upgrade my (laughs) computer screen.
1: (laughs) Well, that just means you need to uh, purchase the iMac Pro and (laughs) that would warrant purchasing the new desk. (laughs) New desk, (laughs) All for a space gray keyboard. Oh wait, there's one, there's one in my menu bar,
0: far right, second one from the right. You recognize that one? Uh, the dot dot dot. Yep. Is that the um? I forgot what they call it, but the one that kind of hides other apps. Yeah, bartender. That's it's it's my buddy right there. Do you have a bunch of stuff in there?
1: Yeah, there's. What is there? Twelve underneath of that. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, there's here. We we will go through all of these, but I'll just rattle them off quick. So underneath of that, there's. Dropbox, Hazel, one that you have, Creative Cloud, one uh, password, Alfred, Backblaze, Ubersicht, the Apple Script button to run scripts off of that, and then Text Expander is up there. Oh, and then Siri, just because I don't want to click Siri like that.
0: Yeah, I, I removed mine somehow. I don't know how I did that, but I figured out a way. I uh, think that if you had all those up there, you'd be you'd be pushing up against the help button. So I think you really yes. need bartender. And s- yeah,
1: there's some programs where it does even as it is. <laughs>
0: oh, that's pretty good. Yep. Yeah, my my lowly Mac just has the one non-standard app in the in the status bar and it's you know, aggressively presenting its red dot to tell me to update all my apps that I never update. Yeah, mine's in the same state. At least you've hidden yours away. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that way I don't
1: ever update <laughs> the apps that I feel like I use all the time.
0: <laughs> well, thanks for sharing your desktop with me. Yep. I appreciate it. I wasn't expecting that conversation. Yeah, no, I wasn't either until I, uh, until I minimized everything and was shocked Was shocked at the <laughs> st- state of my desktop. <laughs> the only real reasons that I need to use my Mac these days are for this, for recording. And we talked about that before. The reasons that I use my Mac are less and less as time goes on. But recording still in need. And the last time that we talked, I had said that one of the main things was editing uh, video and audio. But now that I have Ferrite, I think is how you say it, on the iPad, I no longer need to do the editing from my Mac either. Squarespace, which I have one website running off of, still really requires a Mac. I don't know if you've ever tried to edit anything on a Squarespace website from your phone or from a tablet, but it is just a nightmare. You can kind of, sort of get into the back end, but it is just not intended for mobile hmm. devices, uh, partially because it's so heavily reliant on drag and drop. Okay. So it just starts falling apart. So that's one of the, the few annoying things that I, I can't ever do until I get around a Mac. Another big thing was editing photos through Lightroom, But now, I don't know if you've paid attention, but now that Lightroom has updated itself to be a new product called Lightroom CC, they're kind of making it have feature parity for both the iPad and the Mac. They sort of pulled a Final Cut 10 where they took a bunch of features away that used to exist in Final Cut 9 slash Lightroom, whatever it was, and started fresh with a product that looks a lot nicer, but has a lot less features. And they did that, it seems so that they could start building them out one by one for both iPads and I'm sure you know Android and the Mac all at once, and it's amazing. I really really love it it's It's a great new product there's a few people that don't love it because of the features that it's lost, right but that's the same reason that I loved uh, Final Cut ten was, hey, now we can get in on the ground here again and and rethink some of this stuff that's been feeling a little bloated or cumbersome or unnecessary at this point, so it's funny because. The fact that Lightroom is now at feature parity for the iPad and the Mac has weirdly, in a way, made me use Lightroom more on the Mac than it did before, because now I trust it more because I can start an image on the iPad, and if I need to finish it on the, the laptop, I can, it makes me open Lightroom a lot more than I used to, and, and honestly, open my laptop a lot more than I used to. So it's funny to see the ways that these little pieces of software change your behavior, because one app that lets me edit audio on my iPad has changed the use there, and one update to Lightroom has changed the use of that on two devices at once. I looked at FairWrite... It, looks like, it sounded like you were using it heavily. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so what happened to me was one day I opened up Logic, which is how I edit podcasts to edit an episode, and it didn't open. It just, uh, it just didn't open. And uh, I think if I tried to open it right now, which I won't, but if I tried, I don't think it'll open. <laughs> so I don't know what happened. Not, you know, nothing really changed. I don't think that my version of Mac OS changed. I don't think that I downloaded an update. I didn't really do anything at all. It just now every time that I try to open it, it just totally crashes. Hmm. And I wanted to edit something. I had like a, you know, an afternoon free to do it. And instead of spending hours and hours trying to fix logic, I just decided to download Ferrite for the iPad and give that a whirl. And I loved it. Like, it was just one of those apps that I knew existed, but I thought would be a little too cumbersome to use. And it's $20 to use in its fullness. You can kind of do this weird trial, but it has a bunch of limitations, so I I never really gave it a go. But as soon as I downloaded it and put some audio into it, it just felt very, very fluid and exactly like what I was looking for. So I bought it and started using it. And not only do I love it just as much as editing on the Mac, but I like it more. So... It's, it's, it was a weird shift that was a, a gift, an accidental gift. I didn't know that Logic crashing and burning was going to be nice. uh, a good thing in my life, but I'm really glad because <laughs> it made me try this uh, third-party app that I would have never given a chance before. It's also why the last episode of Whims That Work had chapter markers, because it handily supports that, which uh, Logic did not make very easy.
1: I really liked that, by the way. Yeah. Uh, just because you had some of those pictures in there. It's like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I've never thought to do this. Way to go, Drew. Yeah. You're the, better
0: at this than I am. Well, hey, and Ferrite made it very easy for me to do it. So yeah, it's, it's, that's what I'm talking about, though. You know, it's like, I've always been a bit surprised that Apple hasn't gone more in with uh, their Pro apps for the iPad, especially because now they have an iPad that is labeled Pro. You would think that they might want to bring some of the the pro pieces of software to it. Uh, But, you know, we still have GarageBand. We still have iMovie. We don't have Final Cut. We don't have Logic. And there's definitely a market for that kind of thing. And this one lone developer who develops Ferrite has been the person that's kind of leading the way for that bit of the industry is a great article that Jason Snell wrote about it on uh, Six Colors, and it's a bit outdated now. They've actually added some some features that he was saying were, were missing at the time, um, but he was he was really impressed with how easy it was for him to edit a show. And I think that was an episode of The Incomparable, which is the show that has like a lot of people on it at once. Right. So he was doing many, many, many tracks with many, many, many cuts and uh, really managing it very well all from the iPad. So, I mean, it's amazing.
1: Right, and I know there's, we mentioned this last time a little bit too, some of the lightning-connected microphones
0: that are out there. Yeah, yeah.
1: And there are ways to do that, and I believe Ferrite lets you record right into it as well. That would mean you could record into it, have someone else sitting right next to you using the same thing from your phone. Both of you could record into your phones, and then you could transfer it from one phone to the other and edit it and never use anything other than a phone <laughs> to do the whole thing and, and release it, which is just crazy
0: to me. It is really crazy. I would love for there to be the ability to you know, record an episode like you and I do on the iPad, but I don't think that that is quite accessible yet. I don't think that I could plug a mic in and record it to Ferrite and have a Skype call and all of that stuff right. at the same time. Federico Vatici was the one that talked about doing that once and using multiple devices and, you know, all, all kinds of crazy little hacks. So right. I'll stick with the MacBook for that as of right now. But totally, <laughs> that, that's a great point. You could just, uh, if you're doing an in-person podcast, just put two lightning mics and two copies of ferrite or whatever, and boom, you're done. You know, you don't even need a computer anymore. Right. Pretty, pretty crazy stuff. So I
1: think in my case, I would just take the Zoom, yeah. plug a couple XLR mics into it and be done. Yeah, it's not
0: it's not so bad to do that either, but... <laughs> it's a weird world that we're getting into, and I mean, this is this is the funny thing is, you know, I, I have just become a person who sees my iPad so heavily as my primary device that I don't really want to to use my MacBook. I, I mean, it just isn't something that I think about opening. It's not even something I think about charging. So I've had that instance a few times where I'm like, oh, I have to do some work. I'm planning on going to a coffee shop or an office or something, and I go to grab my Mac, and I realize it's just been sitting on a desk basically dead for days, where my iPad devices, I mean, they all sit next to my next to my bed on a nightstand on this happy little dock that are you know constantly getting charged. They're always ready to go, and it just is not the thing that I think about. For me, one of the things that iOS succeeds at so well is the kind of instant-on feeling of it, where this, is, this may be silly, but it's just you know those, those little tiny things that they're not that big of a deal, but they all add up. And one of my least favorite things about MacBooks is the way that I often open it up, immediately pull up Safari and Google something, only to find that the Wi-Fi hasn't kicked in yet. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm with you so far. Yeah,
0: and on an iPad, you just don't have to worry about that. It's just is always connected, and just simple little things like that. The weird little, tiny, subtle ways that the Mac feels slower to me than an iPad that makes me not want to use it. And to start editing a, a an audio file in Logic, for instance, you know, I have to turn my computer on, uh, let it log in open up Logic, find out where I was. And it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but it just feels a little cumbersome, especially if I have like 10 or 20 minutes to do something. But with my iPad, I literally just open it and open Ferrite and it's ready to go. And I can do a little editing and put it down and move to a new thing without having to worry about it. And it just is that kind of difference in operating system that has made me love iOS so much and leave my Mac in the sorry state that uh, you saw it at the beginning of the show. (laughs) And with no
1: battery. And with no battery, yeah. (laughs) Unplugged. Unplugged. I think some of it depends on which device you use more or or which one is your, your main machine because I think if you're on the iPad as your main machine I think for sure it's going to be like it's always going to be connected the audio is always going to be set the way you want it's always going to have the apps you use frequently readily accessible and I know for me it's interesting because we both come at it from the same viewpoint because part of the reason I use the Mac is because I feel things are so much faster on the Mac than they are on iOS doing a lot of the same things. Now, some of that is because I'm on it all the time because of what I do for work. And as a result, I have a lot of things in place to where I can jump from thing to thing with keyboard shortcuts, which from a time stance ends up being about the same amount of time to tap something as it does to hit a keyboard stroke Mm. and or hit a hotkey, I guess would be the correct way to say that. I don't know. But you get the idea. Like I jump between things using those hotkeys in about the same amount of time as I would on my phone or on an iPad. So I I end up treating it what feels like in the same way that as what is what you're saying. But the difference is that I'm doing it on the Mac instead of an iPad. But that's because the Mac is my primary machine because I feel like the Mac to me, is always connected and it's always ready to go. Whereas whenever I pick up, say, my wife's iPad, I feel like I'm always trying to get it to the point where I can do something with it. Uh, I would say my iPad, but I don't even have one, so I can't really make a true comparison here. Right, right, right. Take that for what it's worth.
0: There's also something that feels really sharp about um, the fact that the iPad, my iPad has LTE. I always choose an iPad that has that just for the fact that I can be anywhere in the world and especially because I have that T-Mobile account that allows you to literally use it basically anywhere in the world. Um, so that, that is not a figurative thing and be able to connect to the internet without having to worry about it. So if I go to a coffee shop, That doesn't have Wi-Fi, which actually is the coffee shop that I frequent every day. It doesn't actually have a uh, Wi-Fi service that you can use. Uh, I don't have to worry about it. I didn't know those existed. A few of them are just uh, under the guise of saying, "We, we encourage you to conversate with people. But I think at the same time, it just is, hey, bud, don't sit there with your laptop all day, taking up a seat. Don't come in and buy a $2 drip coffee and sit there for hours, you know. Um, Yeah, but it doesn't matter for me because my iPad has internet, so I never need to worry about that kind of thing. Um, But yeah, I mean, this this is the thing, right, is that it's a good thing that we live in a world where there are these two different systems that work for two different use cases because it would really be a shame for me if the iPad didn't exist, and it sure would be a shame for you if the Mac didn't exist. And I'm thankful for the, the times that I get to use my Mac, and it really comes through for me. And as a new owner of the iPhone 10, I can assume that you're a, a big fan of the changes that are constantly happening in the iOS world as well. Anytime that that can make you feel a little more productive, that's a good thing. So yeah, it's, it's neat. It's just as funny the differences, and I'll be curious to know the way that they start to unify in the future. I really assumed that we would see a MacBook years ago that would have had the ability to include LTE. Uh, we didn't see that, so I'm wondering if we ever will and um, I'm just curious to know the ways that iOS will take on the features of macOS and macOS will take on the features of iOS as time goes on.
1: Yeah, that's an, that's an interesting point to bring up because I've seen some people work through that and they're like, yeah, from a space, like a hardware component size stance, it doesn't take hardly any room at all to put an LTE chip in right. a MacBook or a MacBook Pro and the power to drive it is very minimal as well. So that that would lead a lot of people to think this is a design choice, which is interesting to me because I I think part of what they're doing is they're using, like, the people who would want that particular feature typically have an iPhone and they have a hotspot hooked up to it. Now, granted, you're going to kill your data plan if you've got anything other than unlimited on (laughs) on your data with something like that. But I, I could easily see how, like, they could add it, but I'm pretty sure this is a design
0: choice in their case. I think so too. Yeah, it's probably one of those things that they've decided for one reason or another, or the carriers decided for one reason or another to uh, nix entirely. Did you ever see that old MacBook? It was a, a prototype that had the cell phone antenna on it.
1: Mm, no, I don't think I ever saw this.
0: I'm uh, I'm sending it over to you right now. You can you okay. can see a, a a crappy picture of it that was uh, taken in the wild somewhere. <laughs>
1: Looks like an Apple Pencil.
0: It does kind of look like an Apple Pencil. Wow, what, what's old is <laughs> that was new my first again. Thought. <laughs> an Apple Pencil dock. That's incredible.
1: <laughs> That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Too bad it's not a, like a G2, or it would fit like a normal. What, what's the Pilot High Tech C or something? Some of those classic gel pens of sorts. Yeah, it'd be awesome if
0: one of those would fit in that slot. I would go for that. Yeah, that that sounds like it's up your alley. Well, I wanted to talk to you about something that we offhandedly mentioned a while ago, and I got a strong reaction from you for, which is home automation. So I, I expected you, master of productivity, keeper of many widgets on your desktop, to be a person that also liked to have your home automated. But it seemed like that wasn't the case. Is that right? yes okay (laughs) there's there's your short answer (laughs) all right well tell me tell me why i'm so curious to know what what's the deal with that
1: well there's a lot of aspects to this and i am going to sound like a luddite and a naysayer and someone who's just being paranoid of sorts i i'm aware that i'm going to sound like that so i'll just preface it by saying i'm aware uh Looking at a lot of the home automation devices, and there are individuals in our neighborhood who I know have these in their house, despite me having never met them and never (laughs) been in their house.
0: Okay. This is interesting. Yes, yes.
1: So something I do for work is I am director of IT at our church. And as such, I handle all of the servers, all the network maintenance, all of the Wi-Fi stuff, all the security that goes with that. I'm very aware of how all this stuff works. I'm not hacking into other people's networks for like just for fun. Like it, it's a thing where sometimes I accidentally click on the wrong, you know, SSID when I'm trying to grab a network, and my machines are typically set up to access networks as and the root access of them very quickly. And I just become aware of what some of the loopholes are on general Wi-Fi networks. I mention this because it's very easy for me to, once I'm on that network, to then start manipulating the devices that are attached to it. And I know the security loopholes that are as a part of that. You know, if you have a home network and it is set up correctly with all the right security settings and such, you're fine. The vast majority of the public does not do that. (laughs) And although my house would probably be fine, I just don't like having that ability. So I, I hear about things like internet connected baby monitors and such. It is way too easy for me or someone to tap into that, and then they've got a view of my child <laughs> sleeping at night. Like, I'm not comfortable with that. And that, that's just, you know, there's, there's an extreme version of this. Whenever I look at some of the, like, the internet-connected outlets and, and, you know, garage door openers and stuff, I'm aware that it can be helpful, but I'm also aware that these things don't always work. Like, I'm just aware that they're not 100% and they're not solid. And if it's going to be in the house, I want it to work a hundred percent of the time. Like I, I don't want to tap something on my phone, and the lights not come on, and then go up and flip the light switch when I just walked past the light switch on my way into the room. <laughs> like that doesn't make sense to me. So but from from a logistical stance, I just don't understand it. I know there's some fun stuff you can do, like disco lights and stuff like that, that are kind <laughs> of fun. But at the same time, like, it just I have a hard time warranting the cost for something like that. Right. Okay, I, I, I need to end my rant. But, you know, the, you, you get my concern here at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that is a good point, right? That there's a lot of people who buy the color-changing bulbs because they're real fun and then probably keep them on a, on a nice, warm yellow for the entire duration of their, their lifespans. Yes. So they're not necessarily <laughs> uh, changing them out for every given mood. So I, I get you with that. So it sounds like it's 85% security issue, 15% doesn't work quite as well as it needs to. You. I I was curious about that. I didn't know if it was going to be this is dumb, why would you use it, or this is a risk? And I think that the latter is more true for you, right? Yeah, I would say that. And
1: one of the aspects I haven't mentioned is reliance on them. Like, I've talked about this before, like using tricks or apps or devices of sorts that I then need in order to accomplish a thing. Like, I, I hear of People who have lights that help them go to sleep because they fade out at night, or vice versa, they help them wake up in the morning. Well, what happens when you're not around that or it doesn't work? That's true. And then your whole day is wrecked Mm -hmm. in some form or another if it doesn't work the way that you expect. But if I never become used to it, then traveling is not a big deal. Like, it's just
0: another... (laughs) Day. <laughs> like I don't have that reliance on it. The same thing could be said for technology in general, though. Yes, isn't it? I mean, there's not every single situation where you have your iPhone or your Mac with you, but you still warrant that reliance on that product because you've decided that that was worthwhile. But you're just saying that this one isn't for you.
1: Yes, uh, I mean there are a lot of these that like having an iPhone 10 is really nice. Uh, there are probably some ways I'm reliant on it. I do use it for things like hourly chimes to check my list to make sure I'm doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing because I'm terrible at procrastination. Like I do some things like that that help me and I might be relying on those, but I'm okay with that. Whereas this feels like it's one step too far down that path. Like you're creating a highly luxurious task or item that I need to happen in order to have a normal day.
0: And it really isn't that big of a difference, right, between turning on a light with your phone and turning on a light with a switch. We're not talking about some revolutionary ability change. It's just uh, a convenience from your phone. Right. Especially now, the expense factor alone can make it kind of challenging to say this is really worth it or not. But that's interesting from a security standpoint. Have you... Paid attention to HomeKit and it's kind of the the more walled garden nature of it. The the better security that that provides.
1: Uh, I'm aware of it, but at the same time, you have to hook things to it. Mm-hmm. Like the the issue that I see with it is pre software in a lot of cases. Mm. Like it, it's purely the Wi-Fi connection. It has to be connected to the Wi-Fi. Yeah. Like it is a device connected to your network. Right. And if I can get into your network, I now have access to that device, even though there's software that's being used to drive it. Like, does that does that make sense? Like, you can manipulate some of that stuff. Yeah.
0: So you're saying the the vulnerability is not HomeKit. The vulnerability is the step before HomeKit. Correct. Because yeah, I mean, all of them, right? It's like the the August lock and the wall plugs. All of these things they have their own apps. They have their own systems, and then they're they're building those on top of or parallel to HomeKit. Even though HomeKit might be fairly secure, I imagine that there's some vulnerabilities in these little things. And I've heard this quite often is that, you know, all of these Internet of Things devices that have been scattered around the world and connected to Wi-Fi networks are really making a handy botnet for people who are trying to (laughs) get a hold of computers that are always on because, hey, man, you know, they're not getting unplugged. They're not getting... Uh, disconnected from the internet because they have to be plugged in and connected to the internet at all times, and they are little tiny computers. So I I, I understand the, the security issue bit of that. I used to have a Wink system, which was one of the first home automation things. Uh, I just kind of bought it on a whim. I didn't add a lot to it. Uh, it was really just a few light bulbs. Uh, in my old bedroom in Tampa, Florida, there was no lamps in the room. There was just a bunch of overhead lights recessed lighting and man it was bright yeah all the can lights sure were bright when i was trying to go to bed at night and i liked being able to dim them from my bed uh just because of the 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 sheer laziness of that yeah but that wasn't necessary and it wasn't that big of a deal and the amount of times that little wink system broke was so annoying that i don't know if it would have if I would have done it, if I would have known how often it broke, because I'd have to then get up and find the little Wink hub that was plugged into the router and you know, unplug and plug that thing back in because it would get all confused and forget the system and the Wi-Fi or power would go out and they would have a hard time reconnecting and all kinds of st- stupid stuff like that. So some of these systems aren't good. HomeKit, however, it's a bit of a different story. I have it. When we moved here to Redding, California, we did a lot of renovations on the home, and I took that as an opportunity to buy a few uh, home automation things. And I also have Airbnb'd my house before, and I went ahead and bought an August lock just for that so that I didn't have to give out a key to people all the time, which is kind of a weird thing, right? Like, what's the bigger vulnerability? Giving people a passcode to your August lock and having the August lock to begin with or giving people a physical key that they could go and copy if they really wanted to, you know? its uh, They're both kind of creepy situations when you really think about it. Right. But but my experience with it is really nice, and the reason that I thought you would like it to begin with is just because my favorite bit of it is the automation bit where, especially right now, the sun sets so early where I live. It's, uh, you know, 4.30 sunset, and so I'll come home a lot, and uh, it'll just be pitch black outside. And I live out in the mountains where, you know, there's none of that light pollution. It is just pitch black. And because of that, I really love the fact that I can automate my lights and say, at sunset, have them all turn on. And it's nice to come back to a home with, you know, lights that have automatically been turned on for you. But, I mean, that's kind of it. There's I have yet to find a sense of use for automation that goes beyond turn lights on at a certain time that feels kind of pleasant it seems like there's a lot of people that really love home automation but i can't figure out what the heck they're doing with it what use cases there are for the kind of dumb and simple version of automation that we have right now right right i hear
1: of folks that do things like they'll they use like the old school timers that they have like you plug a a thing into it and it turns it on and off like we use them for a christmas tree this time of year, where it turns it on at four in the afternoon and shuts it off at nine thirty at night, like it, we have some of that sort of thing, but it's not Wi-Fi connected at all. Like it's just the old school deal.
0: My Christmas tree right now is plugged into HomeKit. And it does turn on automatically. Oh, just it letting is. You know, yeah, very, nice. very important and very good. You have it wired up with if? Uh, no, I, ha- I it's in it's in HomeKit. I have a little plug in the wall that's connected to HomeKit, and it says at sunset turn it on, and there it comes. <laughs> it's lit up in all its
1: beauty. Well, I know a couple of people that use these old school timers, and they plug their Wi-Fi router into this, and it turns their router off at certain times of the day and turns it back on. So it will shut off at say five o'clock and come back on at eight p.m. That way. It's not on when they're spending time with the kids and doing dinner. Ooh, that's kind of interesting. And then it will kick back on after the kids go to bed so that, you know, parents can watch something on Netflix or, you know, pull up, you know, catch up on email or whatever it is they're going to do. So I I do know a couple of people that do that and seem to really like that. But outside of something of that scale, I've not ever heard of or seen anything that even remotely got me interested in, in trying it. You know, here's, here's another thing too. I tend to have a lot of friends that work in computer hardware of sorts, and I know a couple guys that are senior security network engineers, and they typically fall into one of two camps. Either one, they are all in on home automation and they do all sorts of things with it and they're "They're, surely they built the security into it like well yeah I know a lot of them do because it's what gets you into the house and they've really spent a lot of time on security like I get that but there's one camp of these people are all in on it and the other camp won't go anywhere near it (laughs) so it, it seems like to me the camp of people that don't go anywhere near it of that world seems to be much larger than the people who go all in on it and I always get curious. I want to ask all kinds of questions, but I haven't had time to really go deep on it because I tend to fall in the camp of I'm not really going to touch it.
0: That's an interesting point is at this point, it kind of seems to be a hobbyist thing where you're not going to be a person that just casually installs one bulb. And if you do end up committing to it, you're probably going to go all out and have every light in your house plugged into the dang thing if you possibly can. So I, I guess it just maybe speaks to even just the nature of automation right now and like how evolved it is as a platform. But I wonder if you'll come around, because you're such an automation guy. <laughs> the automation of your, your house is a, is a fun thing. I could see you not enjoying the lock. That seems like that might be a bridge too far for you, the fact that anyone could lock or unlock your door at any time. But lights and stuff, I mean, you know, who cares if if the worst thing in the world is that somebody was able to to turn your lights off, that doesn't seem like that big of a vulnerability. And the fun of it seems like it might might overtake it if if possible. Right,
1: right. And you know, if it was me, the the thing I would probably do if I got into this or I wanted to get into this is I would set up two different networks in my house. One maintains all of these Wi-Fi connected devices and the other is my main Network and the one that has all the devices on it can only talk to certain devices through the other network. Basically, whitelisting what devices can and can't work with that network at all. So, unless it's my phone, nothing can work on that network. Like, I would do something along those lines. That's interesting. And then get into it. So, I, you know, that would solve some of my security concerns with it, but I have yet to see. Any form of, I have yet to see someone do something with automation that I could warrant the cost of getting into it in order to do that automation. And I think this might be a thing where if I had it, like if someone gifted this to me, that I would then take it and set it up and then go play with it and find things that would help me with it. But I'm not going to just go out and buy it on a whim, hoping that it would save me a little bit of time somewhere. Like it just doesn't seem like a thing I'm going to go out and do without it being gifted to me in some form.
0: All right, well, mysterious gift
1: giver. Oh, oh right. Who we haven't heard <laughs> from even for a while. Of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what to do. Joe needs a uh, Internet of Things connected light bulb to to test out. Now that's that's where this conversation went. Okay. You know what? Very dumb thing I wish that my home automation system could do. Hmm. I had a conversation with a friend about this a long time ago. I wish that I could have my home automation system immediately turn on my shower in the mornings because I would love that as an alarm because I'm I sometimes wake up and I'm too lazy to get out of bed and I spend some time like reading or just doing nothing, but if the shower turned on by god, I would get up. And use that shower because I'm not going to waste water. Right. Uh, but I don't. I don't think that. I don't think I can hook that up to HomeKit yet. <laughs> I don't think there's any mm-hmm. automatic shower turner on her. That would work for me at this juncture. I
1: know you can get little motors that'll spin, <laughs> like they will spin a, a spigot nozzle of sorts. <laughs> so you could get one of those and hook it up to like the the, the water main that goes to your shower oh and my then at gosh. night just turn the shower on full blast and it would, you know, hook a little <laughs> motor up to one of the Wemo switches of sorts. <laughs> and then That's actually then, amazing. Then you could have it turn
0: on automatically. <laughs> I love that. That's fantastic. Until... Until uh, my my router shuts off in the middle of the night and the, the motor goes off anyways at 2 a.m. <laughs> my shower's going a full blast or something dumb like that. This is the problem. We need, yep. we need to work out the kinks first before we commit to any big ideas, right?
1: But see, that would be the perfect notification that your Wi-Fi went down. And don't you want to solve that right away? <laughs>